The key things that we're finding at the moment that are important to candidates are definitely the culture of a workplace. So that can stem into a couple of different areas from just, I guess, the vibe and the atmosphere within the business and that team-focused environment. But then also candidates are looking for other values and things within a culture that align really well with them. So what I am hearing a lot of these days are candidates are drawn to businesses that have even a mental health program and support for team members if they're going through a challenging time. Also, if a business is aligned perhaps with different charities, candidates are looking for that to make sure that that lines up with their values. Candidates are also really attracted to further learning and education within the workplace, progression opportunities, and some candidates as well, whether they're returning to work or they're working mums, can be looking for a flexible workplace as well. Hi, I'm Marin Hales, Founder, Director and Recruitment Specialist at Recruit to Retail Australia, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN Podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. The Guild has recently launched the My Pharmacy Career Recruitment Platform, a national jobs platform specific to community pharmacy. My Pharmacy Career is designed for pharmacists, pharmacy assistants, pharmacy managers, dispensary technicians, and all the other workforce that help make community pharmacy one of the most trusted health destinations in Australia. Now, Many of our listeners have spoken about the challenges that come with recruiting quality staff or finding the perfect role. So we thought we would ask for some advice from a recruitment specialist. And so today we speak with Merrin Hales from Recruit to Retail Australia, who provides some great insight into the recruitment process, including what candidates are actually looking for, some tips and hints for writing the perfect advertisement, conducting a sound interview process and avoiding the recruitment pitfalls. Here's Merrin. Marin, welcome to the show. Your business, Recruit to Retail, as the name suggests, specializes in recruiting for retail roles. Now, often when people recruit for a role, they'll jump online and they'll do some research to get some hints and tips on how to help them with that process. However, it's usually just that general, non-industry specific advice that they find. How do you find that recruiting for retail differs to, say, an office-based role? When you look at admin or office space, it can be, obviously, you want to make sure the person can fit in with the team, but it's predominantly, you're looking for that skill set to fulfill the role. Uh, When it comes to retail, you're definitely looking for that skill set in terms of store operations and other needs that you have, whether it's management or sales. But then there's also other elements that you need to consider, such as it's a customer-facing role. Um, So I guess the demeanour of the candidate, their communication skills, whether they're that type of person that can be a brand ambassador for your business, so portraying sort of, I guess, the values that you want uh, the customer to experience in your store. Um, And then also there's other things like their selling ability and their ability to quickly learn product knowledge and make sure that they pass that on to the customer. Some great points there, particularly because they're going to be customer focusing. And Obviously, recruiters like yourself, you speak to candidates, those people that you were just mentioning all the time. What do 
candidates tell you that they are looking for in a great place to work? When you say to them, what sort of role are you looking for? Well, I've actually seen a really big change in that over the years. So I've been doing retail recruitment for 12 years and certainly the expectations and demands of candidates have changed over that time. So the key things that we're finding at the moment that are important to candidates are definitely the culture of a workplace. Um, So that can stem into a couple of different areas from just, I guess, the vibe and the atmosphere within the business and that that team um, focused environment but then also candidates are looking for I guess um, other values and things within a culture that align really well with them so um, what I am hearing a lot of these days are candidates are drawn to businesses that have even a mental health program and support for team members if they're going through a challenging time um, also if a business is aligned Uh, perhaps with different charities. Candidates are looking for that to make sure that that lines up with their values. Um, Candidates are also really attracted to further learning and education within the workplace, uh, progression opportunities. And some candidates as well, whether they're returning to work or they're working mums, um, can be looking for a flexible workplace as well. Great. Some great points there. And, And conversely, apart from the obvious things like we need a team player and we need a a good communicator and, and great at customer service. And you mentioned some earlier before. What are some of those other attributes or maybe those other common skills that retail employers are telling you that they are, are really looking for in applicants? I would say just a couple of things that have been coming up, just even in these past weeks on uh, positions that I've been recruiting for and the feedback I've been getting from clients is uh, a couple of my clients are mentioning to, their, to me that they're getting quite nervous around candidates that seem to be uh, job hopping a lot. So if a candidate doesn't display good retention in their career history, I am getting a lot of pushback from my clients in regards to that. I guess they're wondering whether this candidate is only going to give them 12 months of employment when they're really looking to invest in someone that wants that stability. Uh, So that seems to be a really big thing that clients are looking for. But also, um, I would say history of results. So someone who can actually articulate in an interview and demonstrate a history of whether it's sales results or building their skill set or progressing in other brands as well. But they've probably been the two key things that have stood out recently. So Mirren, on that job hopping, who should be the one addressing that? If a candidate knows that they their resume has a lot of jobs in it, they haven't been there, maybe they're legitimate reasons that they've had to leave that role. The employer obviously sees that that's happening in the resume. Is it okay for an employer to, a potential employer, to ask about that and expect an answer? Or should a candidate maybe get on the front foot? I always ask my candidates, you're absolutely allowed to as the person who's conducting the interviews, um, because you're right. Sometimes there are completely legitimate reasons and you want to make sure that you investigate that probably in your pre-screening questions. And then I guess if you determine that's a candidate that you want to interview, then that's always something you can flush out in the reference checks as well. You can ask to do additional reference checks Um, or request referees from some of their employment where perhaps they did have a short tenure and make sure that those reasons for them leaving sort of add up. Now, nobody likes making mistakes, not least because we want to do a good job in our roles, but also because mistakes can be costly to our business. So 
from where you sit, what are some common mistakes that you see businesses making in the recruitment process and what they can do to avoid them? Well, that is something that I feel I'm constantly coaching my clients around. Uh, These days, it is a candidate short market, especially in retail. Um, Everybody is looking to secure great candidates in the retail market. So there's a couple of things that are really key to ensure that you get great talent into your business. I think the key thing to start with is being really decisive with your decisions. So sometimes I find that my clients can lose really great candidates because they might interview the first candidate and think that they're fantastic, but feel that they haven't had a huge snapshot of what the market's presenting. And at the end of the day, sometimes you can get that perfect candidate that is the ideal candidate to interview. And they might be the only candidate to interview. And uh, if they're ticking all of the boxes, you don't want to drag out that process because you can risk losing them. Um, I I would say that's probably a key thing that I uh, come up with uh, against with a lot of my clients is just being really decisive about what you want, the process, and making quick decisions if the candidate's ticking the boxes. Well, in terms of those candidates ticking the boxes, is it fair to say that while you you might feel nervous that one of your early candidates, maybe the first one, is ticking all the boxes and they look perfect, but I haven't seen a full range of candidates. And if I'm not decisive and I don't move quickly, I could lose them to somebody else. But is it as obvious that they're that good that they're ticking a lot of boxes and they won't just be ticking boxes for your business. They'll be ticking boxes for potentially your competitors and you could lose them to those? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we all need to remember um, at times, well, at all times, that every hire is a risk. Um, in whatever field you're recruiting in. So that's why it really pays to have, you know, your criteria set out um, and a key understanding of what type of candidate you want um, and then go through the recruitment process. And you can even choose to to grade the candidate based on those key areas um, of selection that you're looking at. And, you know, if if the candidate's rating it between 80 and 90%, I don't think we're ever going to get anyone that is ranking 100%. (laughs) So it's it's whether you can identify that extra 15% or so as areas that you want to work on with this person and invest in um, and then make that hiring decision and get them into your business or not. I think that's a great point, particularly the one that you make about the risk because any hire, as you rightly say, is a risk and I would assume that it's the business's responsibility to manage that risk as much as possible and not keep looking for the absolute perfect 100% tick every single box candidate as your only uh, risk mitigation strategy. So, Miriam, when I look on seat, there's there's lots of different styles and tones and layouts for the job ads. And I read some of them and they resonate with me, but I'm sure they don't resonate with others because not everybody's the same as me or the next person. What's your opinion on what really makes a, a great ad in terms of striking the balance between the functional aspect that we have to include, but also getting the potential candidate excited? Very competitive out on the job boards these days. Um, and recruiters such as myself use a lot of other methods to engage and headhunt candidates as well. So it is highly competitive. 
I think the key thing is to not be fluffy. Um, so definitely use buzzwords. I mean, if there is an incredible bonus scheme available, make sure you highlight that. Everyone wants to earn more money. Um, that's attractive to a candidate. If you give the candidates um, their birthday off every year as an extra paid leave, um, we all want work-life balance. Uh, so that's another key thing. So really highlighting those buzzwords and key things that your business does differently uh, will stand off the page when candidates are looking at your ad. Um, I also think don't waffle because they are flipping through so many pages of searches on the job board. So you want those buzzwords to jump out, but you want to be short and sharp in terms of what you're looking for, you can do it in bullet point. And then also the key things that you're really going to be looking for in terms of experience or education and skill set. Uh, so that at a really quick glance, the candidate can have a look and determine whether they think that they should apply for this role or not. And, and clearly you're going to include those things that you're looking for in a candidate. They're expecting to read those. But earlier on in our chat, you mentioned things that candidates are looking for in a role. And some of those I wrote down were things like mental health programs, any charity involvement, the progression opportunities, the flexibility. We want to try and align those ads to our target audience. Would you be putting those front and centre and building a story around those? Absolutely, absolutely. And I'd be almost inclined to, when you post an ad, um, you usually have an opportunity to highlight the top section of the ad with a couple of key bullet points that can jump off the page. So I would put a lot of those three things in your top three bullet points, but then I'd probably reinforce it at the bottom of the ad when you close off and and, um, and summarise um, what you're looking for and encouraging applicants to apply and things like that. Just re-highlight those perks as well. Okay, so let's say we've got the ads up. It's it's resonated with people. The applications have, have come rolling in. It can all sort of look and feel the same. They're either printed out or they're on the screen. They're kind of just words. Maybe they have some photos, a, a profile picture. How does a pharmacist start sifting through all those applications and choosing some some candidates to start interviewing? One of the best things I learned early on as a recruiter was when I started to work on different roles that perhaps weren't sort of stock standard bread and butter store management and things like that that I had commenced my career recruiting for, I think it's really important to actually take some time and really think about the role that you are recruiting for. So a great way to structure your pre-screening questions and your criteria is actually to look at your position description um, and perhaps highlight some key areas that are those real standout points um, that you know you really want this candidate to possess and you want these candidates to possess is to forward them through to the second stage of the interview process. So I would actually suggest writing all of those down, looking at your key criteria and developing your pre-screening questions and having them ready to go and making sure that any resumes that you review, um, that you put in your pre-screening pile are probably hitting 80 to 90% of those key points. And so we go through that process. That's some great advice, but we go through that process. Is there a an ideal or, or a good range of people to interview in terms of numbers? So should I be aiming for three to five, six to eight, 20? Is there a, a bit of a sweet spot or is it just whatever comes through and, and we think have got through the pre-screening process and we should have a chat to them? 
think if you do your pre-screening process correctly, if you had three to five candidates to shortlist to interview for a role, um, I think you should be very, very happy with your process. You don't want... you don't want to spend so much time going through, you know, 20 or anything like that because you prob- you're not going to find 20 candidates in the market that are 80 to 90% meeting the criteria. So um, if your three to five are unsuccessful, you can go back to those other candidates that you've disregarded. Perhaps that'll uh, urge you to change the job brief once you've had a look at the market after that three to five. But that's definitely what I would recommend. Something I've been guilty of, and I said before, is jumping on Google and and looking for some hints and some tips that has included suggested interview questions to ask because I sit there with a blank page and I think, what do I want to ask this person? So I can't not have you on the show and ask for your advice on, on a few great interview questions that you can recommend to people. The key thing about getting the best outcome in an interview with a candidate is you have to create the atmosphere. So I highly recommend as a person who is conducting the interview to be really prepared. And that also reflects on your professionalism as well. So you want to make sure that you're on time for the interview with the candidate. You want to make sure that you have their resume printed out. Um, You also want to make sure that you've reviewed their resume before interviewing them so you know who you're interviewing, you know what their name is, and you've probably already highlighted a few things off their resume that you want to delve in and ask them about that lines up with the key selection criteria. I I guess a bit of a pet hate of mine um, is I think some people feel as though they need to have a poker face in an interview. And I just think that is not the case at all. You don't have to be overly reassuring with every question with a candidate and then be alarmed that you feel like you've led them on, that they got the role. But I think you do need to be really warm and welcoming and relaxed and have a positive energy because if the candidate is relaxed and feeling like they're having a connection with you, more than likely their nerves are going to ease um, and they're going to perform far better in the interview. You're probably going to get more of a snapshot of who they are um, and what they're about. So I would apply that sort of warm and friendly approach um, with being prepared um, and the Preparedness also goes hand in hand with having your interview questions ready Um, and I would pull a lot of them from the key selection criteria from your position description. You can also add in things like why do they want to work for you, Uh, establish if they've actually used their initiative and researched your brand Um, and also what's motivating them. Um, to be on the market? Why are they looking at leaving their current role? What are they not liking about it? And what's important to them going forward? There's some great points there. And the opposite of those are clearly going to be things that we want to avoid and, and not do and make mistakes around, like not having reviewed the resume, not being on time, not being prepared, all those sorts of things. But is there anything on the other side, maybe any questions or, or, or ways to conduct an interview that you haven't touched on that and maybe just too cliche and we just need to get rid of them? Unfortunately, in this day and age, some people can still fall into that trap of maybe crossing the line in terms of uh, personal questions with candidates. So I guess if a candidate happens to mention that they're newly married, um, 
it's not appropriate to ask them if they're thinking about starting a family soon. Um, Wireless, you might have that in your mind and wonder what kind of retention am I going to get out of this person if I employ them? Um, That's not appropriate to ask. Um, Also, I guess if on the other hand, if it's someone who's returning to work from having children, um, you need to make that assumption that that person has considered all options in terms of their work-life balance and uh, the needs of their family and that they've made that decision to return to work because they are ready and they have that support network set up. Um, And you can't really delve into any questions around those areas. (laughs) Fair point. (laughs) So let's say I've interviewed some candidates. I'm keen to offer the role to someone. They tick all those boxes, but I want to check their referees first, and I should because it's good practice. What are some some smart or insightful topics or questions that I should be focusing on when I speak to a referee? I am fortunate in that I have a well-versed network of people and in retail, I tend to know a lot of people who have worked in different places and things like that. So if you're on LinkedIn, I would encourage you to also research the referee to make sure that they are a legitimate person. It does happen far too often than you would think. Um, so just make sure that your referee is legitimate. If you can't find them on LinkedIn or anything like that, as well as a mobile number, I would recommend that you request a landline number for this person's work. Um, and that can help you confirm that they are who they say they are. Um, areas that I would investigate are definitely work ethic. So is this person prepared to, Uh, give in extra hours when needed. Not that we all expect people to do overtime, but, you know, if something happens, you want to make sure that that person is prepared to be a team player and help out. Um, And also that they arrive to work on time and don't take lots of sick days and things like that. Um, You want to ask a question around their performance and their results. Um, A question around their initiative is also a really good question to ask. I would also um, ask a question around, um, I guess, if there was any issues with uh, integrity or cash handling or anything along those lines. Um, Strengths or weaknesses is a really, really good one because if you did have any concerns around any areas of their skill set in the interview, you can then find this out from their direct previous manager um, and see if that sort of lined up with some things that you might have picked up on and help you in terms of if you're going to hire them, develop a bit of a plan in terms of um, further learning and coaching with them. Uh, And then I always finish off with uh, the question of would you rehire the candidate um, to their referee? Um, I should also throw in there as well, Daniel, that part of the um, Australian Privacy Principles and the Privacy Act requires you to actually read a statement around the Privacy Act to a referee before embarking on the reference check questions. So every candidate actually has a right to request a copy of their reference check if it's been conducted. So it is really important to advise the referee of the candidate's rights and get their permission before going forward. So on that permission and and a candidate's right, how would I fulfill that request? Because I'm guessing a lot of people, when they do the referee checks, they would just ring up, they would have a chat to the person, they'd be making their own judgment call while they're talking. Maybe they're not taking a lot of notes. Should we be taking notes? Should we be potentially recording the conversation? What do I need to do to fulfill my obligation on that front? 
I would absolutely be taking notes. So, for example, at my end, obviously, I need to supply reference checks to my clients as part of my recruitment process. So I have a template that's already written out with all of my questions. The very first thing that I say to the referee is I advise them of the Privacy Act um, and I ask those key questions and get their permission before even going forward. Um, and then as I'm going through the reference check, I type all of my notes into my template um, and then that is saved under the candidate's file. So I think if you're truly looking to hire someone, um, you should take this seriously and you should document all of the things that the referee says. Um, and that can be one of the first documents in the candidate's human resources file. Perfect. So often the recruitment process, it can, it can be pretty dry. It can feel pretty bland, particularly for a candidate. People see an ad or hear about an opportunity and they, they write that cover letter, they do a little bit of their research, they tidy up their resume, maybe their LinkedIn profile. They get through that screening process we spoke about earlier and they, they get asked some questions. Maybe the person has a poker face. We hopefully the, the interviewer doesn't have that poker face. There's a good connection. And then they hear if they've been successful or not. So it's a fairly straightforward process. Is there Anything that you think a pharmacist can do, anything innovative maybe that, that makes the process one where they might gain uh, better insights from those candidates? Absolutely. Um, and this is something that we are definitely seeing trending um, in the last couple of years in recruitment. Um, it's so competitive out there. So it really is about brand awareness. Um, and that engagement piece with the candidate. And it really comes from that almost like the first engagement of, of how you've written your ad. So I think once you, let's say you're pre-screening a candidate on the phone and you've determined that you want them to come in for an interview, I would suggest that you have a template already written up um, and that tells them where the interview is, what time, who they're meeting with, how long approximately you're going to need them for, where is the best place to park, um, any other information that's going to make the candidate feel like, okay, great, this is a professional process. I've just gotten off the phone from them and they've already sent me an email as well um, on all of the details of my interview. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, the other thing as well is constant communication and engagement really makes that candidate feel I guess, wanted and excited about attending the interview. So there's nothing wrong with over communicating. So if you have teed up um, the interview with a candidate, let's say last week, and they're due to come in um, this Friday, if you're working from a CRM or a database or something like that, shoot them a friendly text message and just remind them of their interview this Friday and that you're looking forward to meeting with them. Um, it's, the more communication that a candidate can have from a brand and the more education, then I think you're going to get less no-shows to interviews or um, that candidate's going to be genuinely wanting to meet with you as opposed to just continuing to apply to a lot of other competitors. As a recruiter, there's a period where someone you've placed in a role has to stay in that job so that you are able to claim them as a successful placement. However, Unfortunately, not everyone stays in a job that they start. They might not get through that period. What are some of the common reasons that a candidate tells you for not wanting to continue in a role after such a short period of time when it felt like it was a good fit to start with? 
Unfortunately, this is something that I will continue to encounter and do encounter as an agency recruiter. It's probably your worst part of your job, right? It is. And, um, you know, sometimes there's things that you can completely um, just unavoidable, you know, and it, and it happens. And there's been some crazy stories over the years. Um, I think some of the common things that I would hear are the candidate would feel that the role is different to what they were actually hired for. Um, so whether the hours have changed, whether the expectations have changed, there's something different around the role. Um, so that can be a concern for candidates why they choose not to stay. Um, uh, the other two key things I would say are poor training and induction. Um, it is so vital to invest in that person into your business. And while training can take a lot of time away from your normal responsibilities, if you actually invest into training and setting that person up for success, um, you're going to have a much higher success rate from that person in your business. So actually setting aside a couple of weeks or buddying them up with someone else and also having regular check-ins with them, making sure that they're feeling okay. Are they grasping the content of the role? Do they want you to revisit anything in terms of training? Um, and I think finally, the other thing would be uh, poor culture. Uh, so uh, sometimes, you know, I guess on the rare occasion, I have placed someone into a business and the recruitment process has gone great and then they've actually gotten into a store and they felt that they are not clicking with that person that they're reporting to or, um, you know, they find that that person's leadership style isn't gelling with them and they, they see that that's not a culture and environment that they want to stay in long term. Marin, that's been some great advice. If people want to get in touch, find out more about Recruit to Retail, maybe continue the conversation with you, what can they do? Where can they go? You can find out everything about our services on www.recruittoretail.com.au. Um, we are heavy on all of our socials as well in terms of Insta and Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, otherwise, you can always call us for a friendly chat on 1300-448-820. Outstanding. Merrin, thank you so much for your time and coming on the show and sharing your insights and advice around recruiting. My pleasure. Recruiting a professional pharmacist or qualified pharmacy staff for your business is vital. And I think we have been given some great tips and hints there by Merrin. So thank you very much. And as we mentioned at the start of the show, the Guild recently launched the community pharmacy recruitment platform, My Pharmacy Career. Guild members are able to register to advertise jobs and access candidates actively looking for work in community pharmacy. It is included in Guild membership, saving members money on recruitment for their pharmacy. We know that for those looking for a new job, the process can be tough. It can be exhausting updating your resume, thinking about what roles you want to apply for, believing in yourself and what you can bring to a workplace. And that's all before you even start looking for a job. Finding a job in the pharmacy industry up until now has been a case of looking on a variety of websites or platforms to see what jobs are going at that time. And even then, you're not sure if you've found them all. My Pharmacy Career is the central location for community pharmacies across Australia to advertise jobs. Instead of visiting multiple sites, My Pharmacy Career is the destination for anyone looking for a job in community pharmacy. To find out more about My Pharmacy Career, visit guild.org.au forward slash myphharmacycareer. Or to create a job advertisement or your candidate profile and start your job search, visit myphharmacycareer.com. 
gilbranch.com.au. And as always, contact your local Guild Branch for further assistance. I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and you've been listening to episode 41 of the PBCN Podcast. The PBCN Podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.